1: Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre Market Prep.
2: Hey, it's Joel L. Conan. Save the date for August 21st for the Pre Market Prep Introduction to Professional Trading Special. Featuring myself, Dennis, and Rob Friesen of Bright Trading, we'll spend three hours discussing how to become a professional trader. The pros and cons of different order types, the best brokers to use, and how we prepare for our trading day, and much
1: more. Go to premarketprep.com to register today. Good morning, everybody. Happy Thursday. Welcome to premarket prep. Spencer Israel, Joel Conan, Dennis Dick. Whew. We got to talk about the vaccine stocks. We got to talk about the reopening stocks. We got to talk about Palantir. Uh, Chamath is. Back in the game this morning, a couple of his SPACs are trading higher after they had earnings last night. So we'll talk about that as well. Two guests on the docket today, Ryan Dietrich at 835. He is a chief market strategist at LPL Financial. And then man himself, Peter Tuckman, the Einstein of Wall Street, will join us at 9 o'clock as he does every Thursday. Before I throw it to Joel, take a second, add your life, everyone, and um, do what it says on the screen. Smash that like button, please, and thank you. Also, if you haven't already, check out the link in the description to the pre-market prep Saturday extravaganza is what I'm calling it now. Uh, it's actually about a week away. It's not this Saturday. It's next Saturday, and the link is in there, description. Check it out. Three hours, but let's be honest, three hours, probably more, of Joel, Dennis, and Rob on a Saturday Saturday. Link in description, check it out. Joel Dennis, good morning. How are we doing in the overnight session?
2: Uh, quiet, I won't do my uh Elmer Fud here, but uh, we're up two and a quarter handles. Uh, we made that all time closing high yesterday at 44,400.50. So there we are, that's minor support pre market low. I mean, quiet range here, we're, uh, down at 35.75. Uh, Crude up and down, up and down, down today, down 38 cents at 68.87, not really seeing any clear patterns in that. Gold down 330 at 17.50, battling to get back. You talk about uh old resistance or old support, new resistance. That's what you have in the gold market. Silver, that's down 16 cents at 23.32. Uh, Bitcoin, 50% retracement almost to the T. And uh, we're down 1600 bucks at $44,830. And Ethereum, mm-hmm. that's pulling back too a little bit. That's down $155 at $3,109. Uh, Triple D, uh, wow. eight, nine point range last night. But I bet you you found some stuff to get. Down and dirty in. There's
3: always stuff to get down and dirty in Joel. Um, it's just a matter of looking around and finding what's moving. And yeah, I got down and dirty in Fisker last night for the long term portfolio. So been looking at this stock. Obviously, we had the you know, obviously I've talked Fisker and I've liked Fisker for a long time. It had the ridiculous run up to thirty dollars back in when was that? If we go to the charts back in march i guess yeah um, i didn't get out of 30 but i think i got out in the t- high twenty six, twenty seven 27 area now, i've been looking to rebuy it i rebought it once and then you know i've sold it so a couple times in the swing trade account but i wanted to put it back in the long-term portfolio it was in the long-term portfolio i took the big gainer back in march and i wanted to get it back so um morgan stanley with the reminder two days ago is like oh don't forget about fisker obviously we had the big pop on the Morgan Stanley rating reiteration when they put the forty dollar price target on it with an upside possibility of ninety. Everybody got excited. Stock was nineteen forty eight two days ago. I'm like today is not the day, but today is the day to put it on the radar. I think today is the day to reload your Fisker in the long term account. I don't know short term; it could come back and fill the gap all the way. Yeah, I was just going
2: to ask you that.
3: It could come back, but you never—if you're going to your long term account—you may never get the perfect pricing. I just know when a stock is a big move, a lot of times, you know, we knew Fisker was going to do some more. um, You know, they needed to raise more capital. We knew that. They said that. Fisker said that. So you know we know they're going to production next year. They need to raise more capital. Obviously, they see the pop in the stock as an opportunity to raise some additional capital. So they're raising for the right reasons. I don't like to buy companies that are raising capital because they're trying to stay in business. I like to buy companies that are raising capital because they're trying to grow. Fisker is trying to grow. Fisker is trying to get off the mat and get their production started. So they need more capital. So it's the right reason to raise capital. That's why on today's pullback, I pulled the trigger here. So I know it's a down a little bit from last night. I bought it last night in the after hours. It's down a little bit more. Um, again, this is not a trade, you know, so this isn't my long-term investment account. I just put my shares back in going to try to forget about them now, unless it pops. To 30 would
2: you, <laughs> would you, uh, did you go like full, like, I, like, cause I don't want you lamenting. Full-size. Yeah. Okay. So you don't even care if it comes back to 15. 15 no, because
3: I'm, I'm with Morgan Stanley. I think eventually this could be a $40 stock. So it just got way overdone back in March, though. When your stock, even if you love the story and it doubles in a week, you got to take some off the table, you know, because that's just too much too fast. You know, if Fisker was $30 three years from now, would be like, maybe, you know, we have a lot more information, but still concept. This is still speculative capital. You know, and just like Kramer says, he likes Fisker, but as a spec. And I, I, I agree, I wouldn't pay, put 100% of my money in Fisker, uh-huh. but would I take 1% of my net worth and put it in a spec? Yes, it's basically what I did. Okay. I,
2: I'm still torn on this heart, whole car thing. Like, who, who's going to emerge in Tesla and Ford and the it's EV not, it's thing? So.
3: No, it is important. That is. Uh, it, and that's why they're all speculative. There's Even 20... Tesla, to a certain extent, is obviously now not speculative anymore, but for the longest time i mean we didn't you know we were looking good we rewind the clock two years ago you know a lot of people are calling it mark Yusko was on the show calling it a zero so i mean they're you know mark's smart so you know it, it definitely is a, a different situation for tesla now i've, I've just look at the de- the gap in the market caps like i was doing this analysis you know two days ago between a fisker and a tesla and you think okay well can fisker get a piece of the pie I think they can. You know, we don't know who the players are going to be. It's a good point you're making, Joel. Um, but you can start to see who has the better potential. You know, when they've got the deal with Magna, they've got it all, all set up for production. I mean, this isn't still Lordstown trying to figure out a while rolling a car down a hill. This is, you know, for real. These cars are going to be on the road. They are, you know, there's already been some made. Um, obviously, you know, we see Fisker, you know, but you look at a $5 billion market cap and you look at Tesla, which is way, you know, Tesla market cap still doesn't make any sense to me, but, you know, a Tesla at $700 billion, And you think, well, this is less than 1% of the market cap of Tesla. So this is a speculative play, but I think Fisker, I think you're going to see Fiskers on the road. And I think you're going to, I think it's going to, the story is going to get hot. I don't know when, maybe it's next year, but usually the story you know, some people were saying, "Why don't you wait till next year when they start production?" And I think the story will be ahead of that. I think the stock will carry on the story ahead of the production. So I want to be back in. I was. You're in. You called it. You said. You,
2: yeah, you said it on Monday. You said mm-hmm. and the, you said 16 to 17. I wrote it up as a pre-market prep stock of the day. You have plan. You're following the plan, right? So whatever. I
3: wait, was waiting for a pullback. I and get a it. Co- convert offering. That's the best pullback you can get. Because they're raising money to, for their and production. It's not
2: dilutive. Yep. What if, it, it,
3: will, it will be dilutive? It, all, all offerings well, are dilutive. If I'm they not. if they obviously you know did a flat out equity Conversion. offering, it feels more right. dilutive because some people may not convert. Maybe some people just want to get paid. But when you do the convert offering, it is dilutive. That's why the stock's down. But we knew that was coming. This isn't new information. The market's pricing this in like oh shit. It's not an oh shit moment in my opinion. I think this is uh this was expected, and I wouldn't be surprised. If Fisker and obviously, you know, pricing and everything, we don't know. Maybe it pulls all the way back to 15, but I wouldn't be surprised if they shrugged this off.
1: Can we talk about Palantir here? Uh,
2: well, can we stay on the electric car thing? Get sure,
1: ride yeah, I think and so. Neo out of the way. We ride, well,
3: we got ride too. Maybe Neo, we should talk Lordstown.
1: We got Neo. We got ride. We got Workhorse. Fine, we'll stay on. We'll stay on this theme for a minute. Let's,
3: let's start, start with Neo. Let's start
1: with Neo here. Earnings last night. Uh, always had a strange time because it's, it's, it's over in China. Uh, for whatever it's worth, their EPS beat, their sales beat, uh, deliveries, uh, which we already knew. Uh, for July, were good for the quarter. Uh, You know, they delivered just under 22,000 cars, up from 10,000 in the same quarter last year. Uh, guided a little bit more deliveries in the current quarter. Q3 sales came in above estimates. What is the stock doing?
2: Uh, They had a quick dip. By the dippers came in 43. I just, I'm not going to spend a lot. I just can't get this like 46 level out of my head. I know I see a two, couple other highs here. But man, you just got to draw a line across here and respect that as resistance. Resistance is until it's broken. Trading up 59 cents, just it's just bumping up against it. So really bullish over 46. Let's see what you haven't hit that in the pre market. Pre market high is 45.
1: Okay, from Neo, we'll go back to the US. We'll go to, uh, let's go to, we don't talk ride marks these days because I'm trying to get markets back on the show. But well, we'll talk ride this morning. Uh, they uh, disclosed last night um, revenue of, of zero
3: zero last quarter. Right, okay. they not selling anything shut shut it's Still concept. Right, right. Revenue at Fisker still in conceptual stage. Yeah, yeah. They are in. They're
1: having strategic conversations. They have. We'll call it about two hundred fifty million dollars in cash on their balance sheet, which doesn't seem like a lot for a car company. Um, and they need to raise more money, is basically the bottom line here. Oh, yeah, also, or they need a partner. Also, they said that their endurance uh production will be limited to coincide with the commercialization roadmap. So, yeah, nothing, nothing really good here. Yeah, nothing. I don't
2: know. Uh, I mean, it's trading up uh 36 cents, uh, six bucks. It seems like it's someone just. Like whack-a-mole. Like whatever gets over six, someone comes in and whacks it. But you get over, you hold six. You know, maybe you got some room on the upside. Yesterday's low, all-time low. If you take that out, it's probably time to go. What was the low from yesterday? Low from yesterday came in at, what, right? It kind of closed near the low, too. 5.43, 5.58 closed. That's what I'm looking at in R-I-D-E.
1: And then Workhorse, you know, they're still having in the midst of that uh, litigation with the U.S. Postal Service regarding that contract. But in the meantime, you get another contract with the U.S. Department of Agriculture for their Natural Resources Conservation Service. The Workhorse is going to deliver to the, to the USDA unmanned aerial drones.
2: Uh, well, that's interesting. Uh, getting a little pop off uh, that at 34 cents, trading at the highs of the pre market session, which is 1010. 10. I mean, if you can find, let's see, what's these pair of highs here? Maybe, you know, if they like this this today, I mean, easy target on the upside. If they can keep it bid, 1027, and then one, two, three, four, five highs at 1050 on a pullback. So I'm sure some people would like to see the low close in the move yesterday at 980.
1: Okay, now can we go to Palantir? This yes, is, This is the one I want to talk the about. The stock
2: that nobody knows what they do.
1: Uh, you're... You're probably right. Uh, and even if we think they do, even if we think we know, I don't know if we actually, actually know. I don't know. Anyway, EPS this morning beat by a penny, $0.04 first $0.03, cents, sales of 3 dollars dollars million. Q3 sales guidance above estimates. They raised their free cash flow guidance for the year. As Christian noted, the call is going on right now, so I don't know what they're saying. But the numbers were all good for Palantir, and the stock is up.
3: Uh, a, a buck and a half this morning. It's such a strong retail name yeah. that you run into problems, and you know, you have weekly options even on this. So you run into problems where there is so much optionality that is going to hold the price probably from like just exploding. You've got a nice explosion in the pre market, but I think you're going to have a real struggle to get through 25. One, it's a big psychological number. Two, um, on the weekly calls, it was 30. Thousand open interest contracts at 25, Really? that's equivalent to 3 million shares. So, I mean, those 3 million shares gets above 25, all of a sudden getting the money. So it it makes it tough. And then if you even go out to the monthly calls at 25, there's another 79,000 monthly calls. That's equivalent to another 8 million shares. So I have 11 million shares worth of liquidity just at 25. I'm not looking at 24 and 23. There's so many options, open interest on this, that it makes you think it's going to struggle to really get going. Because as those options go up, market makers naturally, you know, well, you look you're 25, you're in the money. People are naturally trying to sell to take the money. So it, it's tough. And then there's just so much overhead supply. The story, you know, I don't even know the story. I don't know like, like you were joking. I don't know. i sure anybody knows what this company does. They joke about it on CNBC all the time there too. Um, it's tough when stocks have, you know, have had this much memory in an area. I mean, we've been between $30 and $20 for the better part of the entire 2021, you know, okay. from February really. There's so much congestion in here. There's so much overhead supply. There's so much open interest. It makes me think it's going to be very difficult for this to get over 25. So I would absolutely not buy it at 24 and a half here this morning. Just my opinion. I think it's going to struggle to get through 25. So I think you've got a potential maybe 50 cents of upside. But it wouldn't surprise me if sellers start to come in too, especially after the open. Think about 9.30. Those options aren't even open. People start selling those options. Like, oh, I'm making some money. you know, And then that puts natural pressure on the stock as well. So... I, I don't know I I would not chase this move here this morning PLTR
2: uh just uh because uh, we got a I got an email uh and they were talking about the optionality and and exactly what we're talking about now and so just maybe we'll both just explain it a little in a little bit more detail then I'll give the technicals it's just that you're, you're talking just talking about the twenty fives right but this thing closed what, two bucks lower. So people that took a flyer on the 23s, I don't know what the premium was. The people that took a flyer on the 24s, I don't know what the premium is. You could sell that option right now at a price. And on Friday, the stock could actually be higher but because they take the juice out of it, because they're gonna wring the juice out of it now after the report. Yeah. So that's what Daz is talking about. I agree with him. We're on the same side on the technicals on this one. Uh, we got a gap fill coming up at twenty four forty seven. We've already uh, we've already fulfilled that. So if in fact you can take out the pre-market high, if in fact you can clear out the paper at 25, there's a pair of highs, and I'm just gonna give you the middle 25, 27. So that's not longer it takes, you know, to get up there, then I'm looking for the triple D rollover and possible rollover, top of yesterday's range, 2319. If you get like one big seller coming in, but right now doesn't feel oh it just had a spike down there i don't know if that was a print from yesterday but that's the yeah. top of yesterday's range
3: remember the straddle too straddles often price that you know we we get our you know our buddy there um uh, who's our buddy uh oh come on why can't i think of his name anyways okay give us a hint I, i'm no, the the guys on two weeks ago, the offs awesome options. Oh, PC, CC, hey, yeah, hey, give us a hit, man. I had to think about it, but he's always like, he's looking at those trials. he does such a nice job with the chart, CC, sorry, CC. I shouldn't, I can't believe I couldn't think of CC, but. It's like Sabathia. I was thinking of Sabathia.
2: You're turning into me. Go ahead.
3: I'm getting an old, man. I forget names. But you know what? CC, when he, as soon as I see him, I know I'm CC. But anyways, two bucks. I mean, you look, the straddle was $2. It's up $2. I mean, these options, these market makers That's are smart, good, man. man. It will struggle for all of those reasons above. And you know what he was saying, you know, when he's looking is like, You've got to have, you know, look at where, you know, these options are priced. And you look at, you know, that, you know, he had that beautiful chart he was showing us too, you know, breaking it all down. It's like, it's going to be tough for it to get out of this range. And I mean, that's the same thing at 24 and a half. When you price on all those options, you're going to have trouble breaking out of those range. Do you think like the 24, you know what the 24 calls were going for 40 cents? Okay. So those are a scratch. You know, the 24 and a halves, which aren't even the money, they're 30 cents. The 23 and a halves, okay, they're making some money on those. You're making about 30 cents for your 60 cent risk. But here, this is why it's so hard to make money buying options. You get the direction right. You get the move you need, a 9% move. And you bought the 24 calls and you're still not making money. That's tough. And then obviously, if you did the 24 puts, you're definitely losing money. So it's tough. It's tough to make money buying options. The real money is made selling options. We know we've had Nick Shaheen on here for years telling you the same thing. You know, he makes his money selling options. It's even and tougher. Than everybody wants to earnings. buy lottery tickets. There's not a lot of people that win the lottery. Now, if, I'm not just saying sell options, win money, because you have to know your risk. And you, you, sometimes you have to pay out when the lottery hits. Sometimes you do have to pay out. But there's a lot more money made selling options than there is buying options. These guys are good. Guys and girls. Market makers <laughs> are good. Uh, also,
2: the weeklies,
3: bought. too, like the weekly
2: on earnings. I mean, they just juice them, uh, you know, and, and then right now they'll just suck all that premium out right away after after the report is known. But uh, excellent points there. We'll see what happens. I mean, it could just be, you know, a major runner, but um, take out pre-market high. I don't know what paper there is at 25, and then we'll see what happens at 25, 27.
1: Okay, there's a couple people in the chat asking about sonos uh so i want to go to that one sure they they also reported last night very surprise beat unless there is a big adjustment here but their eps of 27 cents compared to an estimate of a 17 cent loss so again either a big adjustment or that's a very very big beat on their earnings per share sales also came in higher as well um that's that's it
3: i love this stock i'm upset with myself that I'm not in it. I was in it. I had We had a nice trade in this. We had Andrew left on the show. What's it got to be? A, a year and a half ago, maybe? Over a year ago? I'm looking where the price was. Probably a year ago. And the stock was around 15, 16. He says, somebody's going to buy this. When he said that on our show, I went out the next day. And I was like, you know what? I'm putting some of the Sonos in my long-term portfolio. And it was a great one. I think I bought it around 16 or 17. I sold it around 33 or 34. So it was a really good, uh, like almost a double, 100% winner. Had the big move, so you know I rang the register. But now I'm looking, I was like, kind of want my shares back again? Sometimes you just got to hold a little piece, I think, you know. And obviously, you have to pay the tax on it too when you sell it as well. Uh, but you know, here's a big move again, and I'm not participating in it. So you know, it was nice to make the double. It was a good trade. Uh, but you know, I still like this company. I've Got Grasso on CNBC last night saying he thinks this could be a 60 or an 80 stock. He might be right. He's talking his book, obviously, uh, but um, he might be right. I, I think, again, I feel like the Fisker situation, you get the big pop-up, if you forgot about it, you know, maybe you wait for the pullback now as opposed to buying stocks up 10% because we're in this market environment where you're punished if you're chasing and you seem to always get another chance if you're not chasing. I mean, the person that bought Fisker at $19 on the Morgan Stanley upgrade is having buyer's remorse definitely when they look at it this morning at 17 10 So it seems like, you know, you get the pop and then they give you a little another chance. It's the market that gives more chances. We're not in this like breakout trending, you know, everything is running market. You got to chase. We've been kind of just in the consolidating even on individual stocks, you know, buying dips, selling rips has been a lot better than buying the rips and then hoping it's going to rip higher. So, I'm not chasing the move, but I love the company. Can't give you a ton on
2: the technicals here because it's kind of in no man's land. So, I'll just give you the pre market high of 39.39, bumped its head up there. It is a buck off that. So, let's get through there. Let's take it out. And then I just got to go to your monthlies here. You haven't been at 40 in a long time, but your May high was 40.64. Uh, but first things first, let's get through that pre market high of what I say, 39, 30 something, thirty-nine, thirty-nine. Easy number to remember.
1: Okay, we got a lot of earnings. Let's take a break from that and we, we will get back to the earnings. I want to talk about vaccine stocks for a second, maternal, maternal Pfizer, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you know, there are headlines. There's a, there was a headline yesterday about side effects and Moderna. There's a headline this morning that the CDC is going to. Uh, advise on booster shots or i'm sorry the fda the fda the fda is going to authorize moderna and pfizer booster shots for some people um i personally and i said this to joel yesterday i don't i don't know if if any one headline is responsible
3: for the move any of these moves especially in moderna uh the last couple of days down a hundred dollars oh there's one headline that was responsible for that and it was the eu looking into new possible side effects for mrna shots so there was definitely one headline that this thing got hammered on. It started with a Bank of America bearish rating. And then, and, and I think it was, I don't know if it's a downgrade, but it was a sell Double rating downgrade. with a 100 price target. And then the second day of the, of the bad news, you already had people caught who were buying the dip. And then you came out with the EU looking into new possible side effects and they hammered the stock. They absolutely hammered Moderna. I mean, we're down a hundred. We're popping a little bit this morning, but we're down a hundred bucks in two days. So it's a twenty percent, you know, uh, uh, you know. Just all of a sudden, if you'd say technically, when the stock comes twenty percent off its highs, it's in a bear market. It's not a bear market. That's why the technical definition of a bear market is dumb. But this is shows you how extreme this sell off was. I like Moderna. I don't think the side effects, you know, are going to. I think it depends sell, on. Yeah. We don't know. Like, I mean, if they start to have serious side effects with all of them or any shots, that's a serious issue. But, you know, it seems like we always get a headline where, okay, there's something, you know, there was side effects. They were looking, obviously, at Johnson & Johnson before. I mean, there, there, there is definitely side effects with these shots. There's no doubt that there is some side effects. It's like when I was getting my COVID shot, and I know you, Joel, maybe the same thing. I'm analyzing risk-reward. I'm like, your risk is that there's unknown side effects. Your yeah. reward is that you're better protected against the COVID virus. Well, and the COVID virus is pretty bad, too. So that's why I, I went with the getting the shot. Um, you know, you can sit here and worry all, all about, you know, the side effects and stuff. But the bottom line is Moderna is the reason that, you know, Moderna and Pfizer are a main reason why, you know, we're starting to get something looking back to normal without vaccines. I mean, it's gonna be, you know, it's it's a lot tougher to get back to normal for sure. I have to take on to take umbrage with what you said at the very beginning, Dennis. I I I don't know if you can really
1: say definitively that any one headline is responsible. For, maybe like as the Kickstarter, sure, but, but you know, it, there's nothing. There's nothing like price, a change in price, to change sentiment. But like, you know, I I was FOMOing hard here on Moderna for the past couple of weeks, and um, I'm glad I didn't didn't do anything about that. But I, you know. Is Moderna a great company? Yeah, because you convince me that, that that it's that it's worth its market cap and that it should double in, in a year. Yeah, should it double in in three weeks? In two weeks? Uh, probably not, right? That's kind of scary. I'm it? not
3: sure if I even think it should be worth a Merck market cap, with you know. But you can see that the valuation isn't crazy if we continue to have to. If we have to get and we all get the vaccine booster every year, you can see that this valuation makes sense. If we get to a point where we don't need boosters anymore, all of a sudden this revenue stream stops in two years, then this valuation makes no sense at all. So it's kind of a play with Moderna on whether you believe we're all going to get an annual booster or not. And This annual booster is going to go on for a lot of years. That's kind of, of the play with Moderna and that you're not going to have side effects or you're not going to have a better drug come out from a different company, which could be the case as well. There's a lot of companies still working. Maybe the Novavax drug is going to work better when it gets approved. Maybe everybody on their next shot is going to be get Novavax in a year. So those are the risks.
1: I, I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm, th- and I, I never, I, I didn't say this before, obviously. So it's easier to say it in hindsight, but like, you know, it made no sense. It, it probably made no sense
3: that Moderna did what it did. They also it also got added to the S and P. It uh, got overdone. S- yeah. yeah, it got overdone. They, it was, was probably due for a correction. I think is what you're trying to say. Yes, it was definitely the headline that killed everybody. It was everywhere. Well, I mean, was I had it was popping t- up yeah. on my phone the Moderna, <laughs> the eu stuff so this was a this okay. wasn't a little headline this was a major headline okay so and 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 you know you look at pfizer same thing there was a reason pfizer and biontech it wasn't just moderna oh, biontech right. same right. thing yesterday pfizer same thing yesterday all falling and selling off uh, on the breaking of that headline so that headline made a kickstarter but you had a crowded trade i think the point you're trying to make it it was a very crowded trade and maybe wanted an excuse to sell off and this gave it a really good excuse yeah yeah
2: yeah phew, this is uh this is a tough one I had a pretty good feel for the stock when it was you know trading up there at the uh the, the upper boundaries near 500 just because the daily lows were so far apart but when I when when you look at this chart it was obviously price per perfection if I was trying to buy the dip in this one I mean yesterday's low did coincide with another low. It's just like, do we have a date with like 345, 350 on this one? There was the kid, it was the all time high for a little bit. And then there was a few lows in that area. And then there was consolidation and then it broke out from there. So I don't know what the path is. I know the path back up 400, wherever 410, 420. Uh, This could be order sprayed out there, people trying to exit. So it's going to be tough to pick a rebound. But on the downside, I just, like, I don't know, 350 would be the area I'd be looking at. Like, if I had a short or I was looking to try a swing long, I think I'd have to wait for that area. I
3: Two- still love the company. It's the market cap that I still can't totally wrap my head around. But when if you think you're going to get a booster every year, you can start to get your head around it that way. So it's a matter. I think it's a call. If you're buying Moderna, I think it's a call on whether you're going to get a Moderna booster shot every year. And you're going to say that the competition isn't going to come for them, but there's going to be a lot of other, a lot of other COVID drugs too. So it's you know, but to Joel's
1: it's a story. tough call maybe you maybe if you want to buy it maybe you wait here maybe
3: you just i mean we're i down, think you don't buy on day one you're down a hundred dollars in two days right <laughs> I mean, it, it's gonna bounce it's gonna have a bounce in here <laughs> you know i don't know if that bounce is coming from 350 like the level joel's talking about if we have an opening flush and we bounce but after you know a couple massive days of selling it just went from overbought to oversold so it's probably going to be due for a bounce it's getting a little bounce here this morning but, you know, the, to, to know the path of this stock three weeks <laughs> out, nobody knows. Sure. Nobody knows. You had the one guy on CNBC saying this thing could have a trillion dollar market cap. And then you had literally somebody else in the next segment on CNBC saying, you know, the Bank of America and i was saying this is a hundred bucks and, you know, it's just way overdone on basically just the, the COVID shot. So yeah. but they have a lot of other stuff cooking. Like we've said, this company, you know, they're working on the flus and the vaccines and they're working on a lot of other things. So they've got they're they're smart. I love this company. I just don't know if I love the stock. I, I, I can't decide.
2: Yeah, it's it's a, that's a tough chart. Uh, two things here: uh, producer price index comes in a little yeah. bit higher than expected one one percent versus 06 percent. That brought us back down to unchanged in the market. No big movement here. Uh, real quick, we got a nice, little tip on uh, AstraZeneca. I own AstraZeneca. I don't know where. Lisa was just doing some research on it. She likes some of the prospects they have in the pipeline. I don't know. It's been such a range, but this is when they got the big boost off their supposed vaccine. But sixty seems to be the top of the trading range, and fifty-six looks like short-term support right now for AstraZeneca. Not a real exciting stock to talk about.
1: Let's talk about Open Door real fast. Let's go back back to the earnings here. Um, Are SPACs back? Question mark, question mark, question mark. Open door. EPS came in higher. Sales came in higher. They gave Q3 sales guidance higher as well. Here's how many homes uh, they sold last quarter. They sold a little under 3,500 homes in the quarter, up 41% from the prior quarter. They bought a little under 8,500 homes. So they they bought 8,500. They sold 3,500 homes in the second quarter. Uh, that was also a massive increase from the prior quarter. Um, the more I think about it, the more I read, the more I'm thinking that like all these platforms are just contributing to the absolute chaos and madness in the housing market and I don't know if I like it but regardless <laughs> there, I like other, that s- summation Zillow and Open Door probably here to stay probably not going to slow down their home buying anytime soon and other there are a dozen such platforms as well so you know it is what it is but Open Door is trading higher uh or at least it was last I checked Yes, it still is.
2: <laughs> it did, and you got some nice confluence there, right there. Eighteen bucks. The four, uh, the after-hours traders jammed it right there. They went bid, hit eighteen, three, four highs in that area. Backed off uh, eighty-five cents. So we got some work to do. To get back to eighteen. Don't know if you'll see the top of yesterday. Uh, that's way down at uh, 1511 if you're looking for a gap fill. But should, I mean, they've already lowered their offers from 18. So we'll see. We'll see how close it can get to that. Uh, but the dailies are confirming that as well.
3: Uh, the straddle on this was actually about, wow, they had the straddle priced up to about $2.20. Hey. so you look here 260 a little bit over the straddle right now i never like buying them over the straddle price and then the options i mean uh the 15s were a buck 90 cents so you can making some money on it the straddle <laughs> obviously it's above the straddle not a ton um and you start to run into trouble after you get to 17 and a half because you have a whole pile of open interest that's why you know, Kenny's talks about the 15 will get you 17 and a half. The 17 and a half gets you 20. There's a reason these are stopping points when you get to the 17 and a half. It's because everybody is again, we just had this conversation with the last stock talk we we're talking about, but you got to look at those open interests. 14,000 shares of open interest is 1750 just on the calls. So you think, okay, well, that's equivalent to you know 1.4 million shares. Things trade 1.2 in the open. It can easily do that. You know, it can chew through that. But there's, you know, the potential for sellers up there above 1750. So, I would think the natural next stopping point, I don't know what it's done pre market. I'm going back to open. I know you're showing Palantir, but we're talking. No, open. Just sorry, I don't. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> no, I was just looking at the chart trying to see has it, or it was up over that and it's come back down now. Yeah. Drop yeah. over 18, which got over overdone and started to struggle at seven. It was starting to get locked in for a few hours, 17 and a half. And now you're below 17 and a half. That's telling me the options are having an impact there. So even though I'm not an options trader, I actively, if I'm trading an earnings stock, I actively look at the open interest because it'll give me a target. It'll give me, you know, a price where I think you're going to thicken up. You can see there's probably going to be natural sellers coming in around 17.50, which tells me, do I want to buy at 17.14 for 30 cents of upside? When I have the potential for a rug pull, which we've seen before, and a lot of times stock up 18% doesn't close up 18% in this market. So again, I'd be more of a seller than a buyer on OPEN, but I love selling reps.
2: Yeah. Uh, also, just you know, going back to this whole optionality, and we couldn't have had better timing when we had CC on and that day that it blasted to 85. Oh, I lost my 50% retracement on this one. Uh, uh, which is it's actually 59 bucks, which it struggled at uh, that day. It went to 85. I think the highest option listed was 70. And uh, and now you're back down here. I'm probably going to get a gap fill. Boy, this thing has lost its luster. Top of the gap is uh, 4859 for Robin Hood.
1: All right, let's bring on our first guest today, Ryan Dietrich, the Chief Market Strategist at LPL Financial. He has agreed to join us this morning from his arcade. Ryan, good morning. Welcome to the show. What game is that?
4: Uh, Good morning, guys. That's NBA Jam, you know, about a year ago and everything. Well, maybe, I don't know, whenever COVID started, April or so last year, we stuck at home. I ordered uh, this game and actually over there, I've got golden tea, so... Oh, gold always working one way or another. Maybe working with the stock market or working on my jump shot inside one or the other.
3: What year of Golden Tea do you have? Oh, it's all
4: of them. Oh, I guess. Oh, you have all of them. It's it's, it's like five from Golden Tea all in one arcade. When that
3: came out, that Golden Tea, I can remember I was probably about maybe 23 or 24 years old. And, you know, back in your just after university days, we would play that Golden Tea. (laughs) Something fierce. What year is the NBA Jam? Yeah. That's, that's what
4: I want.
3: Oh, wow, you guys
4: here. Hang it. Time, the original one, and then it says uh, Tournament uh, Edition. So there's three different ones. Man, I used
1: to play as, as the Knicks, man, all the. All the time. Oh my gosh, I love that game. Love what it. are you guys talking about? Uh, we're talking about games from the nineties. Yeah,
3: yeah, Joel. Joel <laughs> plays pinball and he tilts the machine. Joel <laughs> never got. Joel was. Joel, these, these are past Joel's. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, Ryan, Joel really dates himself because he wasn't uh, playing any golden uh, tea or I was the NBA But no, I I was <sighs> having a real kid, real man. bad.
2: Was
4: it, it's fun to grow up with these and play with my boys. You know, it's just, it's it's a neat experience. Yeah. Oh, so let's for talk, sure. We talk Big Ten football or stock market,
3: whatever you guys. Uh, uh, all right, I'll pick one, up. Joel. Joel, what are you going to say, Joel? Uh, Big Ten.
2: Uh, we could talk Big Ten in a second. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Ryan, you got to be running out of stats. <laughs> you got to be running out of stats over here. I'm running out of levels I, and and the SPs and and I have to go to like my, the oldest trick in the book. But stat me, man. You have you have the stats on this market and uh let let me know what we're looking at
4: i'm gonna share i think i'm sharing my screen here you guys tell me are you seeing that screen i hope i got you i got you awesome so it worked that's good i I use zoom a lot when i use these new ones this is this is a new one for me but this is good it's working so there's always a stat to talk about you know i mean it's been fun i i am calling with you guys a lot saying listen this is the major structural bull market likely going higher most of the stats that I share. Save a little more
0: this month. Chime checking accounts have features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe and no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com slash goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA members FDIC. SpotMe eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply.
1: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for
4: you. Call, click or just stop by. Grainger, for the ones who get it done. On Twitter or share with you guys, say something similar, right? I mean, there's a lot of strength. We're probably going higher. That hasn't really changed, but here's one that's really cool, I think. Uh, who knows? Today could be the day. Uh, the s and is up like 99% from those lows. That's price, okay? Total return, yes, we're officially on a double, but on a price return, you can see it here, guys, that'd be the fastest ever. Usually, it takes like three or four years for stocks to double off of a low, and we all know this. We've talked about it, but just when you put it in a picture versus all the other previous bull markets, um, you know, the previous fastest, you can see that green one there, just over two years. That was the 2009-2010 bull market, so, you know, we've gone a long way in a hurry. I mean, that's... That's pretty obvious. But, you know, let's say we get some regular seasonality. Maybe we'll go to the seasonality first. Um, you know, we've all you've all seen this. I'm sure other guests have talked about it. It is what it is. August and September historically are pretty weak. August during a post-election year is actually one of the weakest months of the year. Remember last year, September, we had almost a 10% correction. I don't know if any of us even remember why, right? I mean, just the market was <laughs> up a lot, maybe some pre-election <laughs> jitters, but it happened, right? So just be aware of that. And then we have a new party in power in the White House. And historically, you can see on this slide, that's when the market peaks. I think it's August 6th. So we just you know, historically got in this very, very weak timeframe. So just be aware after one of the fastest doubles we've ever seen, now all of a sudden here we are and we've got you know seasonality potential weakness, Let's say we get we haven't had a 10% correction in, a, you know, since the crash and you know, a 5% correction since October. We know those things. Historically, you get 2 to 3 5%ers a year, 1%er a year. So we're stretched and let's say we get a 5 to 8% correction. What are we going to do with it? Well, here's check this out. 6-month win streak, right? S&P's up 6 months in a row. One of the longest streaks we've ever seen. Um, tying September of 2018 as you can see there. Remember that 10-month win streak after the election in 16? That was crazy. But anyway, what happens next? Well, guys, you see it here Six months to a year later, you get actually stronger performance. One year later, SP is up 18 out of 21 times. And the average is just about 12%. You know, so these are just different ways, all different, you know, what did Mark Twain say? History doesn't repeat itself, but it often rhymes. Yeah, you know, we could be at a pullback or something like that. But these the the strength that we've seen is just truly amazing. And I'll tell you, we we like value. Now that's obviously been a yeah. Difficult trade the last couple months, but we're still in the camp with our more eighteen thousand advisors, nineteen thousand, sorry, nineteen thousand advisors, um, and the tens of billions of dollars that we manage for them. Um, The truth is, we've got to tilt toward value, and I look at financials here. You know, that four month consolidation just now breaking out. Ten-year yield and that little double bottom recently, and now the ten-year yield year looks like it might want to start going higher. We can talk about inflation and all the spending. And, you know, the market's going to do what it wants to do. What are the charts telling us? Are we listening? I mean, financials break out here to us suggests that the ton has been passed back. I got, I got some more. If you guys want to jump in and do some questions, right? Keep going. How, um, how you want to do this here? We like
3: the stats. I like this presentation here. All right, well, I can keep. I'll just keep rolling this. So we, we had a
4: birthday, as we know, year two of the bull market. I'm sure people have talked about this before, but historically, year two of the bull market can be a little choppy. Now remember, year two started on March 23rd, um, you know, of, of this year because March 23rd of the previous year was the lows, and and year two, yeah, it can be choppy. 16% correction in 2010, 2004, one of the most sideways markets you're ever going to see. eighty-three, similar kind of tight market. Um. But here's the other catch. All right. Stocks have never been lower in year two of a bull market. I've got all of them, at least put it this way, since 1950. Got all all of them here since 1950. Um, The average return, uh, 12.7 percent there. You can see average drawdown close to double digits. I mean, the truth again, this is early in an economic cycle. Right. I mean, we just (laughs) we just ended the recession. The government told us we just ended the recession like we all knew that. So this is about a year, you know, a 15, 16 month old expansion. Historically, your average expansion is about five years, right? So what happens normally when the economy is growing, when earnings are going higher? Stocks tend to go higher. So we think we've got a major tailwind here that could last a couple of years. Yeah, there's fiscal stimulus, monetary stimulus. We're not ignoring those things. But earnings, I mean, earnings do drive long-term stock gains, in our opinion, with the LPL research. They keep coming in way higher than expected. We might see 90%. I think I've got an earnings chart here. Let me just, let me just take a look here. Cool. The, earnings, the earnings
1: results have been good. The reaction, yeah, yeah,
4: been. I, I'd like to
2: go there yep. too.
1: Uh, the what about the areas? big?
2: Yeah, yeah, the big tech. I yep. mean, Apple. I mean, had that amazing run. I'm looking at Apple's going on its eleventh day of trading between 144 and 148. We know there's a pile of paper there. Like, seems like Microsoft hit a brick wall. Amazon's not being treated well off its report. Google's Google. You know, I looked it up last night. They paid. We've said it before. They paid 1.6 billion for YouTube in 2006, and last year they made like 21 billion off it. What a great investment! But, uh, anyways, what do you what do you think about the price action and some of this big tech coming off earnings?
4: Yeah, I think it's kind of a play on, um, you know, really strong sell the news or maybe simply okay. time for value like we talked about. I mean, you know, those are the drivers that we're neutral on tech. Now, we don't like technology. We just still think, you know, your materials, industrials, financials. And now that they're taking that baton back, it looks like it could just be kind of time for a break. I mentioned the seasonality okay. factor that's in there. So we're not overly concerned with tech. And you did you guys see the um, the triple leverage fang? uh ETF that came out the other day like like you talk about um, what's the
3: symbol on that
4: I, uh, don't, I don't I don't I saw it on Bloomberg I don't remember but it just came out. you talk about contrarian indicators oh let's do a triple inverse on you know some groups that honestly they like I said, have been struggling a little bit lately that the contrarian in me starts to wonder a little bit and we're throwing you know everything else out now now financials are breaking out so that's kind of interesting um One other thing for me. That's
3: that's not new. Uh, Well, FNGU has been out there. I thought there was another one. I trade FNGU, but maybe he's talking about another one that's come out.
4: Yeah, there's a new one. I know uh, the guys from Strategus pointed it out, saying a new one, and I, I have to, I'll, I'll look it up and let you know, but I know okay. there's one more triple inverse, or tri- not inverse, wrong word, triple leverage one coming out on the FANG stocks pretty soon, um, according to the Strategus guys. But the other thing that we keep hearing about, and it's coming out there, right? Taxes, taxes, how are going to finance all the spending? We get it all. Um, you know, this could be, well, the first year since the 50s, the cap gains and corporate taxes went higher in the same year. Think about that. But again, it's not shouldn't be a shock to people. And as we share here, um, you know, previous times we had increase in capital gains taxes. Did it matter to the stock market? I don't think so. 86 and 2013, you guys see it there. Six months later, to a year later, stocks did well versus the 70s when stocks didn't do as well. Could it be as simple as the 70s with high inflation, not the best time for growth? Maybe it just wasn't a good cycle versus 87 early in the cycle of growth and then 13 early in the cycle of growth with an accommodative Fed. Does that sound familiar? So these are some things that we talk about with our advisors and their clients every day, higher taxes, what's it all mean? We're Extended. We likely could have a little correction. We're going to go into value on that – cyclical value, I should say, on that pullback. And, um, you know, the stats I keep seeing do suggest this bull market's alive and well.
1: So I was looking at this morning. I saw this chart. Uh, We've made 46 new all-time highs this year in the S&P 500. The record, 77 and hitting 95. I don't don't think we'll get quite there. Um, But the record in recent memory was 62 new all-time highs from 2017. And the, again, this is the the SPX. We're at 46 now. You think we can get there?
4: Yeah, so I'm, I'm, it's interesting. That was the last chart, so I'm sharing it there. And, and no, <laughs> I don't think we're going to get to 77. But if you extrapolate it out, we're going to be really close. And we're not so sure. But I think the key concept, this early, in the year to have like so 45 46 new highs you've got 1964 and 1995 that's it all right like you said nine, what happened the rest of 95 i mean 45 degree angle straight up now the rest of 64 stocks were higher they weren't bearish by any means so it's a really small sample size so our statistics teachers would be mad if we talk about a sample size of two i'm still not going <laughs> to ignore it i mean i still think that, that that there's the market's telling us something that when you start this strong you tend to resolve higher like a lot of the stuff i've been sharing and this is the other thing on this chart right now, and what, what do we know by looking at this? Just look at it. New highs, guys, happen in clusters that last like a decade or more. Now, I've been talking about this for a long time. People hate it when I started pointing it out in 13, 14, 15, because, oh, no, it can't be true. It can't be true. For some reason, people are just naturally bearish. But it's happening, right? And again, the history would say we could see several more years of more new highs of continued new highs. I mean, every year is going to be higher. 2013 stocks were flat. 15 stocks were flat. 18 stocks were down. Yet stocks gained 400, I think it was 399 or 401% during that 10-year bull market. So it's going to be, you know, it's not all straight up. We don't want it to be. But the concept of this chart is so powerful for your longer-term investors that, um, you know, new highs are still coming, in our opinion.
2: Who's going to be the quarterback at
4: Ohio State? Yes, uh, I think CJ. Man, we're changing, changing gears now, aren't we? <laughs> uh, yeah, CJ Stroud. I think he's he's, he's CJ Stroud. Yeah, okay, he's the other guy has been there and you know, but I mean, that, we'll probably
2: lose, but by not as much to you guys. How's that you know, for a prediction?
4: We'll, 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 <laughs> that, that, that that one guy Uwer, is the number one player from the class two years from now who reclassified to come early to make his million dollars because the whole yeah, game. isn't that nice? He, he drops, drops out, out of high, high school. Bed. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's technically, he's technically a junior right now, and he's well. I guess going to be a senior, but he, he showed he's
2: me day. the money, is what he's doing. I don't blame First him. That's what you are going
4: to do. That's tough. If you, you're a number one player in the class. You maybe go early, make that money. I don't think that's unintended consequences. I don't know if the NCAA thought of that. that I don't think
2: they thought, thought of the a lot money. of
4: things. Mm-hmm. Well, good point there. <laughs>
1: all right, Ryan. So just to wrap up here, we know you like the banks. Is there an, any one sector, or if you want to get more specific, any one industry that, that you like in the short term here?
4: Mm hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, materials, industrials, I mean, those two. I mean, you, you look at copper, you look at some of the industrial metals. And I know, I think materials are up like eight or nine days, seven or eight days in a row. So it's pretty, pretty good win streak. But those are some groups that we still think we look at precious metals versus industrial metals. Some of those trends, um, the economy still strong in our opinion. I know COVID and the Delta variant are there, but we just think that the market and the, the market's telling us something. So we're sticking with uh, those. We've liked those groups and we're sticking uh, sticking with those groups.
1: Okay, Ryan Dietrich maintaining his bullish stance he is the chief market strategist at lpl financial joining us here on pre-market prep ryan always a pleasure man thanks a lot
4: i'm gonna play some video games we'll see you guys thanks. all right oh, have I'm fun so bye bye yeah here. such
1: a good game nba jam man oh man i'm wasted so much so many quarters on that game anyway such uh, a good game. We're leaking, Joel. Is that what you said?
2: Yeah, we're right by buck fifty. Woohoo. I guess I didn't like the PPI number. Nothing. The volatility major.
3: is killing me. Yeah, I know. Just no I know. movement in the overall market. I mean, yeah, individual stocks has been good, but overall market quiet. Quiet. So quiet, Joel. It's what's
2: everyone's uh, on vacation. Europe. There's no one working in Europe, mm-hmm. and uh, you know people are getting uh, the road trips in
3: uh are in the doldrums guys this is all you are hey can't wait uh, yeah. next riding. month august is always historically one of my worst months if i look back i should do that actually and just look you know the seasonality of my own p and l but with volatility comes down i make less money volatility goes up i make less money or more money it's like clockwork and august is always a slow month september picks up and then september and october are always awesome but it's always quiet in August. Do you want to get to uh,
2: the uh, the chamath or chamath popular? Yeah, Patios well, talks?
1: that was good, very good job. We got to one, we got to open door. Let's look at Clover here. But uh, just as a reminder, before we get to Clover, do you know what Monday is? For those of you who care, maybe I know Dennis might, but Monday, the rest of you might not care. Monday, is- this Monday is forty five days from the end of the quarter. You know what that means. In these 13 F seasons so Ooh. maybe today maybe tomorrow maybe Monday maybe over the weekend you get some 13 F's uh, come out who you know what the largest hedge funds bought and sold last quarter yep. so something to have in the back of your mind but let's go to clover here we talked open door trading higher clover trading higher as well uh, sales above estimates sales guidance above estimates here's an interesting uh The note that I saw, this is a very interesting metric uh, they have uh, for Clover Health. I've never seen this one before. Uh, One of the metrics that they track is lives under management. That is a metric for them, lives under management. Uh, I guess Mm. it just means users or clients. I'm not quite sure. The live under man anyway. Someone's
2: bid. Someone's just bid, man. They want to get this thing up there. Look at that. I mean, the on the fifteen minute chart, they're just bid. I don't know where they think they're taking this thing to. Uh I would say, oh boy, there's a gap in here with a small gap for this one. What's this high? Uh wow, that high is way up at eleven sixteen. So you got a gap in here to fill up to 1116. I don't know if they're going to be able to jam it to that area, uh, but 1047, that's the only number I could give you at July 7th high. And until that buyer flips the switch and starts selling, just like, just jamming it higher. Any comments from you, Dennis? 10,
3: 10 bucks is huge. Psychological from options perspective. we got 20,000 on the weeklies there. Okay. Um, so that's going to be the big number what a move this was back in june on the other you know the short squeeze part two stocks um you know and obviously you know i actually took a chunk of that move not nearly enough i was so mad at myself because you could see it coming it all started with bed bath and beyond back sure. in yep. June, and then i was like okay and i went out and i bought like 20 of those shorts those stocks with high short interest and they all started popping so fast i think i took I think on Clover, I made like 20% in literally like two hours. And I was like, I'm taking my money. It was on that first candle on the June the 7th. I think I had bought it at like maybe like 960. And I went up to like 12. And I think I actually was selling it after hours, like 1250 or 13. I was <laughs> yeah. like, I just made 30% of my money in literally like three or four hours. And the next day, it had the big cap to $25. And I was like, holy you know you think you're a hero making 30 percent on your money and then somebody you know and the thing doubles the next day you're like wow i need to hold on longer so i did not foresee that big of a short squeeze it was the same thing with workhorse all those stocks we looked the same day um that was you know the squeeze of all squeezes for all these stocks and i don't think you're gonna see that again so um but you know you never say never stuff happens but uh 10 bucks is huge on this
1: all right, let's go to the chat here. Uh there is a question changed. in the chat about uh, Micron, and I'm trying to – Micron. I wish I could find who's well, uh, – They're cat- is... catching a downgrade this morning from Morgan, but I'm, I, I'm trying to – Didn't they just talk- upgrade
3: it, though? That's what well, they, that, the chat's that, saying. That's what
1: I'm trying to find. I, I, I'm trying to find an upgrade it, and I, I'm not saying there isn't. I just – I don't know how recently they upgraded the stock. They're downgrading it here this morning. Uh, they're
3: are trying trade, to find uh, a
1: winner, but I don't remember a uh, Morgan upgrade to to my, uh, I don't remember it
3: either. Some people in the chat are saying they just raised it. Maybe it was like, you know, a, a reiteration. Cause I don't remember. Oh, a you know, it it,
1: it could have been just a reiteration, you know, that's possible.
3: That's possible.
1: Why would they do it so close? I don't know. Well, I
3: don't uh, know if that's you know. I'm, I'm just trying to look through here too. I'm going through the pro right now. Trying Tron- to Toronto Dave I has "Guess you four- search pro and then he can search it."
1: Yeah, right, Toronto Dave has a month ago they reiterated their rating. Okay, that's that's that's
4: possible.
2: Seventy-two fifty-one. You took all those days to get back over eighty-two, and then in one, two, three, four days, you're right back at the low of the move. Oh, that was last month's low too. That's the only number I can give you on this one,
1: 7251. Trying to, there's so many analysts and I can't keep them. Uh,
3: can't keep them. What do you think that. though overall? Like, I mean, you just look here and the chips are starting to show some weakness here. I mean, this Micron has had an impressive move, and you know we know this is a cyclical business. But the move from 50 to 90 was really impressive. I mean, I guess you get back to 70, Joel. You know, you're getting close to that now. I guess you start thinking about Oof. like a 50% retracement of the move. But yeah. I mean, you look at applied materials and you look at, you know, Western Digital and you look at Seagate, which got an upgrade from GS today. Um, full disclosure, you do have a trading position in that. Um, I, I mean, you look at all these moves and you just think, wow, you know, uh, th- these were huge moves. And, you know, is there, you know, Micron seems to be the first one that's seriously correcting. Is there a concern like in an applied materials that you could get like, you know, a follow through move? Because applied materials make a new high three days ago, four days ago. And now it's sold off pretty, pretty well. I'm very torn here. Very torn. You know what these turned
2: on a little bit too. what and uh, we talked about it was the jobs number right and the whiff of higher rates right for these tech companies and how they're earnings. so they they've kind of turned off that whether it's uh just a buy the dip but uh they've been i mean a uh amat uh you know topped out uh this is thursday that was you know at the end of last week I mean, yeah, tight They're just—they're not necessarily going down, but if considering some of the reports that they have, they're certainly not like Apple's just not busting out. I don't know. It's—it's it's a pause in the action and a bull trend. So I guess you still have to treat it that way, uh, buying the dips.
1: Okay, we got to talk about Dillard's here this morning. Uh, it's being talked about by a couple people in the chat. They had earnings, but this is also just a crazy one. This is a crazy stock because it's, it's got a high short interest. Uh, here, let me just look real fast. But I the numbers. Uh, there's only a five, this five and a half million share float. Oh my goodness. Anyway, the numbers on Dillard's uh, this morning: EPS, EPS was almost eight dollars eighty one cents uh, on sales of one point five billion dollars total. Sales up 72% year over year. That's not, that doesn't say, that tells me nothing at all because last year sucked. But um, anyway, low flowed stock, um, it it can do crazy things.
3: It's been squeezed before. It's, you know, been a stock that I don't get it, to be honest with you. I don't get the move. I mean, this move is extreme. These stores are just enormous. (laughs) I don't get how this department store. Um, uh, uh it just continues to you know defy know. gravity here i don't understand it at all this is not the kind of stock that i would be thinking would be making new all-time highs it doesn't really make any sense to me so i just don't trade it for that reason i know you know i've owned i had the preferred for a long time the ddt and i love it that way because it just keeps paying you and you know, it's a 7% yielder right now, the DDT. And it appears that the company isn't going bankrupt anytime soon. So um, with the stock making new all-time highs. So I do like their preferred DDT back near the 25 and a half level if you're able to get it back there. But this DDS, I don't get it. I try not to trade it because I just can't grasp But it. It's one of those that I feel like the fundamentals seem pretty good, but I don't understand why. Uh, if you want to target
2: uh, the pre-market high is 214 50. It's up on less than 10,000 shares. It's always life. Yeah, uh, yeah.
3: you backed off. That, that's it's tough. a wild shot. Pass.
2: <laughs> pass on that
3: one. Yeah, you know what? It's a good pass. Uh, what about us
1: That was also a question from Rocket who was talking about this in the uh, Benzing.com chat. They had oh. earnings, this, earnings this morning. I want to look at if they said anything in there about inflation let's just do a control f for the word inflation
3: i got stuck long this thing into the report i was flirt playing around with it last night and i was like i got stuck with that it reported i knew it was crappy i got out i averaged out in the low 20s um this is why you take losses you know i i got the the report came out 6 30 and i was like it's not good it wasn't really trading any volume i was able to get out of some in the mid 20s and then I got out of the rest of it in the low 20s. It was a good sale, and sometimes you know that you know, sometimes it can be a good trade can actually be a loss. Yeah, which this stock is, is good that? Loss to take this U- is this is
1: UTZ. So the numbers yeah. were not great, U- T- and and they are blaming inflation right there at the top of release. It says demand remains strong. Our second quarter margins were significantly impacted by higher than planned inflation across key input costs, which include commodities, transportation. And labor, so they are blaming big bad inflation for their quarter.
3: Yeah, I mean that's what they're doing. And you know what? I did not want to be long this going into the quarter either. Like I said, you know, you people ask you how to get stuck, you know, in a stock. Well, you know, you're playing, you're doing a lot of different things. Sometimes you miss that a company reports you know, some, there's lots of different reasons. You know, when I trade, you know, 200 stocks a day, sometimes you just get like, you know, you're like, you're in it and you're after hours. You're like, I'm trying to get out. This was no bids last night. So <laughs> I was like, I just wanted to get out of this before the report. And, you know, then I got lucky, you know, that I was like, I read the report and there was some still some stale bids, like not stale, but people just randomly bidding in the low twenties. And I was like, you know what? You got it. Cause this report wasn't great. I actually probably should have went short um but you know i got out of my long i was happy to lose 50 cents on the trade because obviously now it's down two dollars and 15 cents so you got to like try to figure out how to minimize the damage mm-hmm. when you're on the wrong side of a trade and minimize the damage well in on this one
2: uh if you want to buy it at the december low uh this is your opportunity 1871
3: why uh, Why? Do you want i, I said it? If,
2: <laughs> if 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 <laughs> If you uh, like
3: pretzels, Dennis, jeez. Shit.
2: And uh, the but uh, if this was a one, Kramer
3: darling, wasn't it? If,
2: uh, I don't. Wasn't remember. this odds
3: like the Kramer stock when this was back at twenty eight and thirty? Correct me I if I'm no wrong, chat, but I, don't, I, don't I think know. this was a Kramer darling. It's possible. Two monthly like lows. It. I'm going it's from selective, maybe
2: it's selective perception. 1665. That's your October and November lows. If, uh, But looking like no one's not showing a lot of buying interest yet. But um, I'm going to let you guys uh, finish up here. I'm going to hop over and cover all the symbols we missed. But uh, good show. And uh, we'll catch up with you later on, Spencer. Dennis, all right.
1: Go get them. Dennis, before we let you go, we were talking about this before we hopped on here. It's a big day in dividend land. A lot of companies oh, going ex wow, yeah. dividend today, and I want to yeah. just run it through that list here. What I would do is share my screen and pull up the dividend calendar in Pro. Sure. What Dennis can do is go off his list that he has probably in his head somewhere. Uh, or- uh, I write down the big ones. Okay, I, sure. I I
3: always know when a stock is going ex dividend because you know I've and I, I know I'll talk about these types of trades. Yeah. you know in our in our. Uh, webinar on the twenty first. Um, is it the twentieth twentieth or twenty first? Saturday on the Saturday. Uh, it's, the it's hell next we'll Saturday it's the twenty first. Next next Saturday, Saturday the twenty first. We'll talk about this stuff. But you know, I know that there's positive alpha to extract when a stock and when not like a stock's giving a ten cent dividend. And the major dividend players, like you know, like the ATTs and Verizon's are extreme examples. But there's a positive, you know, expectancy of extracting alpha if you own them before the ex dividend date, and then they tend to show weakness after. So what I like to do is own them into the ex dividend date, and then sell them and potentially sell them short even after they go ex dividend. So these are big days. This is one of my core strategies: is extracting alpha from dividend inefficiencies. And um, you know, we're using the pro. You got a good tool here, but you know, just to highlight a few. This McAfee, MCFE, paid its special dividend finally. Um, it's been, you know, known for like a week and a half here. And uh it's been going and running up. And now it had earnings too. Yeah, so yeah. I don't know you guys say that, but you can clearly see it's been very strong into the ex dividend date. Now it's getting hit here this morning because obviously you got the price adjustment. It's actually trading in the red, I believe, by ten cents this morning here now, which is what you usually typically see. You usually see weakness afterwards, but positive run up into that into the four dollar and fifty cent dividend. Um, another one um, Duke energy you know which is a utility stock it's run up here the last few days and you know some of this is just to do with XLU but some of us also to do with the X dividend date it ran up had a 99 cent dividend that I paid here overnight um, I participated in that uh, Honeywell another one running up um, I still got a little position on that one um, but you can see uh, it paid 93 cent dividend ExxonMobil I pay, played that one. It um, had an 87 cent dividend. ExxonMobil worked really well. I took it into the ex dividend date, and actually, um, it's uh, it was trading up this morning, so I was able to wiggle out of that one too. But you know, a little bit of dividend capture mixed in with the positive alpha expectancy from owning them ahead of the thing, and then trying to you know get out and make some money on the weakness afterwards. That's how I kind of play them. All right, something to be aware of as always, Dennis. Talk to you tomorrow, man. A lot of different ways to make money in this market. Most of my strategies are revolved. Around quantitative edges, not charts. I mean, we're gonna do this, you know, webinar here, and Joel's our technical analyst, and obviously he's gonna talk a lot about charts, you know, and on the Saturday. But we're gonna also have Rob Friesen, who is obviously uh, the president of Bright Trading, and what he tells his traders, um, he actually did, and he, you know, he's gonna talk there too. But he was telling us, you know, last night, you know, he was doing a presentation new traders, and he made them turn off all their charts, so you can't look at a chart. So, you know, and then he's telling you about different, you know, edges, quantitative ed- edges that aren't revolved around technical analysis. Cause you got your fundamental traders, you got your technical traders, you got story traders, and then you got your quants. Break trading is more of a quant firm where we're looking for quantitative edges in the data. And that's what I am too. I'm not really a technical trader. I like charts. I respect charts. I use charts. But for the most part, most of my big money is made from quantitative edges. And that's what we're going to talk about on the 21st. All right. Link in the chat. Dennis, thanks as always, man. All right. Let me bring on the Einstein
1: of – well, there he is. Peter Tuckman, the Einstein of Wall Street. Good morning, sir. How are we doing? What's up, Benzenga what's up, what's up, Nation? Let's go. What is, what is the mood down there on the floor of the you Well,
0: know Today it's a little bit quiet. We've had a couple of big IPOs this week. Yesterday, Joby, this sort of ride-sharing uh, drone meets helicopter story that came out. And they're actually it's going to be available on your Uber app. It's sort of like the Jetsons meets. You know, 2021. It's kind of super right. cool, but it's sort of. Been, you know what we talked about it a few weeks ago. I didn't think there would be sort of a quiet period, but there is. It's sort of like mid-August. It's hot. You know, I'm not sure. Every day, everybody's focus seems to be a little bit different. Whether it's <laughs> me, whether it's earnings or whatnot. As you've seen, the market's been though it never really trades kind of flat. It's been definitely range bound.
1: Well, it's hard to focus. You've got Olympic athletes on the floor, you know, hanging out with you guys. It's hard. It's probably hard to focus with when you're hanging out with, with. with
0: You know what? These are are some of the things you do. Uh, you know, one of my roles is the ambassador down here to have, you know, to, to, uh, to host people down here, to invite them down to experience this thing. One day you'll come in from, uh, Chicago and (laughs) hang out on the floor with us. There's still, I'm here with the group from, um, Nika, New York Nico, which is sort of an amazing uh, Instagram uh, group. It's you know this. What's great about this place is still that human element. I know it doesn't exist that much. It's not what it once was, and surely globally, it's more an electronic marketplace. But what we do here, whether it's the roadshow for IPOs, whether it's just trying to give the that that symbolic and that sense to people, and I think it helped a lot during the pandemic that there are humans between you know, the markets and, and and the world, that that's what we do here.
1: Okay. Uh, tell me about a stock that, that, that is on your radar that is interesting to you right now that you've been watching or the action at least interests you.
0: You know what? It's hard to know. You know, I can't really particularly pick a stock. And okay. I think, uh, look, once again, I'll go back to the spiders because I find them fascinating. I, you know, look, obviously on a day to day basis, we're looking at the reopening story stocks. I, To be honest with you, one of the most incredible stocks lately that I've been watching is uh, is Moderna, right? You've got to watch it. You know, look, there are stocks that are trading as a earning story. There's stocks that are reopening, stay in place, shelter in place, volatility, vaccine virus stories. But the Moderna story is is incredible. The move that it's made, you know, it's gone from being a company that a year and a half ago is trading at thirty dollars. It is obviously one of the preemptive vaccines, though. The vaccine per se may not be a really great business model the stock you know got into the 200s obviously through its incredible rise during the pandemic and um and then it suddenly became a meme stock right a meme stock to me is now gone from the game stops and the amcs of the world to really just stocks that get everyone's focus it's like where is the herd going to go today and as you know i have nothing against the herd i love that they're all here trading the market But, you know, we did see this stock go, you know, 100 points over two weeks coming into earnings. Earnings came out. It faded a little bit. And then you would have thought there'd be a little pause in consolidation. And it went up another 100 points. And then within a day, there was this 50-point turnaround. You know, I know with David and Wall Street Global Trading Academy, we, we talk about Moderna a lot because the moves are very technical. They're huge. On the long side and the short side, we saw a far from moving average trade intraday on Moderna where there was a 50 point uh, profit in it. You know, not everybody obviously waited around for that kind of a move, but we've seen it overbought. We've seen it oversold. We've seen it break out from trends. So if there's any stock that sort of highlights what I do, what David Green does, what we do at Wall Street Global Trading Academy, it is, it is this stock has highlighted. The amazing ability of technical analysis to give you a little edge, because if you don't use it, there are people who bought into the stock. I I I posted a thing on Instagram the other day. You know those five trades that everyone thought they should have gotten into that have turned out to be fairly ruthless. Like you know buying GameStop at 480 or Dogecoin at 70 cents. You know or or shorting Moderna at 250. You know these names are dangerous names. But surely you were talking about it with Dennis before. Everybody has a different strategy here. For me, in this market, it being not your grandfather's stock market, you need to have a have technical analysis to, to be the preemptive thing in your toolbox.
1: Uh, here's a question uh, from solar up in our chat. He's, he's referring to a specific symbol, but it, I think it's, it can be applied more broadly when you see a massive, several days of massive volume, unusual volume in a given stock. I'm talking like several days or even a week or more in, you know, in, un, in un, unusual volume in a given where security, whatever stock ETF, what does that indicate to you? I, I mean, Does that indicate to you like retail interest or or institutional interest, or do you not think of it like that?
0: So, look, one, you know, look, volume is not something that we, that David uses in Wall Street Global Trading Academy, uh, although it is a contributing factor to some of the other technical targets and signals that we put out. From me as a trader down here, I don't use technical analysis for a lot of the uh, trading models that I trade. Volume is a big deal. Look, it can be any number of things. We've seen volume spikes. Due to this new incredible generation of young traders, the 40 million plus, whether it's through Robin Hood or TD Ameritrade or whatever it is, who sort of gang in and heard some of these stocks. We've seen volume that were looked that day in AMC, where it went from 40 back up to 72 and down for 500 million shares traded in stock that, you know, a year ago was bankrupt. Right. So. The volume can be any number of things. It could be a large whale taking a big position in the stock. It could be a stock that the Internet is memeing out and that everybody's rushing in to either buy, short or sell. Right. It can be just, you know, an earnings play. You know, it could be option layoff business. It's any. In the old days, you used to be able to pinpoint why volume was in there whether it was news headline related, whether there was a big fund taking a position or whatnot in today's world and today's market, it could be any number of things. So it's a multi it's, it's a, you know, it's a multifaceted uh, uh, situation.
1: Okay. uh, And then just broad market here, you know, we're just doing what we do and we're making new highs seemingly every day. Um, You know, enough about the broad indices, uh, broad indices, but looking at individual sectors here, uh, I mean, what are your thoughts on, on, on where we've been in, in – in, you can look at healthcare, you can look at tech. You're, do, do, you have, do you have a, a favorite or a least favorite at the moment?
0: You know what? No, I actually not. And right now I'm actually not picking one because no. things are sort of trading at this little bit of a divergence, whether it's the Dow being up on some days and the spiders a little tamped down, whether we've got an up-down day, an up-Dow day and a down NASDAQ day or whatnot. I think we're in sort of a strange consolidation mode here in August. August historically tends to be one of the quieter times. Okay, we know that, and you talked about it. We actually are seeing a volume abatement in some of the overall names here in this week or so. My business has been a little slower than usual over the last couple of days as the closing volume has sort of been quiet. But I kind of think this is an evolving, unfolding story. We've not seen a big catalyst in a market that's going up or down since about a week now. So what does that mean that I think any day it's going to happen, whether this virus sort of levels off and it's not going to be a big deal or whether we're going to start seeing shutdowns. If we start seeing shutdowns, we're going to see how it affects airlines, how it affects cruise lines. Some of these guys have had a couple of false starts, right, because we saw this reopening story happen. Everyone was excited. And then we sort of stopped over the variant. So okay. I think we're going to play it a day to time. And I'm not really clear directionality right I mean, yet. Peter,
1: Peter better- do you think the market is, or how concerned do you think the market is about the Delta variant? We were talking about this yesterday. Dennis seems to think the market is, is concerned. Joel and I don't think the market seems to be that concerned at all, frankly, about the Delta variant. How concerned do you think the market is about the Delta the market
0: variant? Tell, the market tells you what it thinks of it. The right. Bottom- is the variant is bad. The news that I've gotten is we're seeing things start to shut down. We're seeing an acceleration in the speed that it takes people to get sick. I spoke to a doctor, a frontline ICU doctor at NYU the other day who just said that what we're seeing could be as uh, worse than what we saw in March 2020. So that's the reality of the variant. Globally, it's a big deal. Does the market care? Of course, we do as humans care. But is the market reacting in any kind of a anxious, fearful way. It doesn't seem like it to me because every day we keep closing at record highs. So while the market should, individual sectors should, the market overall seems like there's fuel behind it. I will say that the one thing I think that may dislocate this is once again, we spoke about it last week, Spencer, is the um, is the unwinding of the balance sheet story and a matter of when the tapering is going to start and how much uh, advanced notice we get from it. That to me is the most interesting story. And when,
1: when we start to get that info. Peter Talkman is known as the Einstein of Wall Street. The link to his trading academy, Wall Street Global Trading Academy, is in the description of this video, as is his Twitter account. Peter, always a pleasure, man. Get back yeah. down on the floor. let check it out. All right. It is 9.15. I'm going to hop off.
3: Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com.